You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 455. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with season one of the Fox series Fringe. And, yeah, we're getting near the end. Uh, we're certainly in the in the last quarter of the season, and yeah, we have another kind of standalone tonight, which a little disappointing on the one hand, but, yeah, you know. We did get to see a cool-looking monster. I was wondering if we were ever going to actually see it other than its tail, but we did get it there at the end in the sewer. Right. Well, I mean, you know, if you show the gun in Act 1. You know, like, Good point. We were going to see it, and you know, I guess their CGI budget could only allow for, you know, like less than a minute of screen time for, <laughs> no. the, uh, yeah. for the animal. Yeah. Um, I want to thank our patrons, Bert, who we welcomed last week, Fred, of course, Dan, Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, Tobias, and Mike. Appreciate you guys supporting the podcast through our Patreon website. If you guys want to contact us with episode feedback, questions, comments, whatever, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can do it. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. And... I'll let you go first with your what we're watching. Okay. Well, nothing new this week, uh, but I did finish off a couple things I was talking about. So um, Ozark, season four, part one. This show just makes hardly any sense at all. <laughs> There's just stuff. Like, I mean, I'm, and maybe I'm just in this mindset because like watching this episode of Fringe, I'm like, Come on, you know, there's like all kinds of things. So maybe I'm just in a Dowling Thomas type of uh, frame of mind, but it was still, it, it was okay. It is certainly not as good as I, th- I thought it was when I first binged it, but you know, what is, I guess. So, um, in a couple, actually, just a couple of weeks, part two of season four, which is the end of the show, will be out. So, uh, it won't have Ozark to kick around anymore after that. So. Um, and I did finish, uh, well, you know, I didn't fit, you know, season three of Snowpiercer finished and, um, I watched along with it and that show is still, uh, going very well. I would rate it up there as like an all time classic or anything, but it's certainly, uh, a very good show, um, that, uh, that I enjoy, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a pleasure to watch the show and, um, I'm looking forward to season four, all kinds of things happening that uh, to push the plot along there. So um, it'll be cool. And then uh, I'm putting it in for one because you know, we don't, every now and then we talk about something that we're reading. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but I've, I've gone, I've had actually read all of the books, the Artemis Fowl series before, but um, I asked for the, the whole series, uh, like the box set for Christmas and my dad got it for me. So, I've been working my way back through the Artemis Fowl series, and that is also a very enjoyable. You know, no one's going to mistake the Artemis Fowl series for like high art or anything. But as for very enjoyable young adult reads, yeah, they're up there for, you know, genre uh, books that are better than your average and are not about wizards. Um, then, you know, this is a. Uh, this is definitely the place to go. So if uh, highly recommend if you are looking to take on, uh, and they're very quick, easy reads pretty much. Um, super enjoyable, great characters. Uh, the movie is more, even more reprehensible in my eyes. The more I read the books and realize how, how big of a turd they floated with the, uh, the movie on Disney plus there. But so, uh, yeah, that's me. All right. Well, you mentioned Snowpiercer, and of course, Fred mentions it in his feedback tonight and has mentioned it, I think, at least a few times the last few weeks. And it's one of those shows that I I do intend to get to it at some point. I really enjoyed the movie. I've seen the first couple episodes of season one. Man in the High Castle is another one that I've got to get back to. I've seen season one and one or two episodes in season two. I I can't even... I know. I, it's just beyond words, Dave. Well, but I do intend you're, to get to you're, it. You're, yeah. So. You know what they say about the road to hell, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, now, for me, I mentioned last time, my wife has me watching Bridgerton season two, and we yeah. finished that, and you know, it was enjoyable. But I used that as a nice segue last night, because Sunday night, two of the shows we watch 
are one a week shows uh, outlander on stars and billions on showtime and the new episodes don't air until nine so we can't access it you know you know through uh our roku until nine o'clock so it was only eight so i said you know what i watch all these shows for you you're gonna sit down finally and watch be foreigners with me okay and she's like okay so went season one and i was doing a rewatch uh, watched first episode, you know, I looked over, I said, well, what do you want to do? Billions? She goes, no, next episode. Nice. Six episodes later, we watched the entire season one last night and she loves wow. it. Wow. That's so, awesome. That's yeah. a victory. That is a victory. <laughs> um, so there, you know, my be foreigners rewatch, but the other thing per Daniel Delgado's recommendation in the Facebook group, I started watching the French Disney production Parallels, which incorporates some of the plot premises we dark fans find so intriguing. Now, you're not going to mistake this for dark, but it's six episodes. You got access to it because it's on Disney. Right. And I don't have Disney, but I... You found a way. I, I found a way. Now, unfortunately for me, my way included the English dubbing, which is freaking awful. But, yeah. uh, you know, I would recommend, I imagine if you have Disney, you can listen in the French and uh, read the English subtitles. But yeah, uh, I'm sure I, that's, I have yet to uh, watch a foreign language show or movie on Disney plus yet. So it'll be interesting to see uh, I, HBO's language thing is, is non-existent, right? Like, just have to do it through my Roku, um, but uh, so we'll see how Disney's is. Netflix is obviously awesome. That's like the the gold standard as yeah, far. Well, as. HBO doesn't make it easy to find even on the Roku app, but um, uh, nor does Amazon. But anyway, uh, you know, so th- this follows a group of uh, young teens who are, I guess, on the cusp of going to high school, and they're they're having a birthday party. Uh, in this abandoned bunker that they use, I guess, as their little, you know, party house, uh, such as it is for eighth graders. And along the way, one of the kids' mothers works at the CERN facility, C-E-R-N, which uh, has the the particle accelerator that, you know, is actually a thing in real life. And they're doing a test on it. The lights flash and, you know, the next thing you know, Two of the four kids are gone. The other two are there. Uh, I don't want to get too many plot details, but uh, again, um, time travel, uh, parallel universes, parallel timelines, it's, it's, it's all there. Uh, so, you know, it's not dark, but it's certainly enjoyable. They're short episodes. There's only six of them. So uh, I've gone through the first three and we'll definitely okay. finish that one off. So parallels on Disney, if you have Disney. So it's, yeah, it's, that's, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen that and I've thought about it, but like, I don't know, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll take a poke at it. Yeah. I mean, they're like 35 minute episodes, so it's almost, you know, so. All right, well, let's get to Fringe, episode 16 of season one, titled Unleashed, written by Zach Whedon and J.R. Orsi, who worked together on The Transformation, directed by Brad Anderson, who did In Which We Meet Mr. Jones and also The Transformation, aired April 15th, 2009, so you could watch Fringe, get your taxes in, and all would be good, so... Did that well? This actually, with my taxes this year, was the like first year, pretty much ever that I had I uh, paid someone to do them for me. Yeah, which I'm glad I did because I was had clearly made a big mistake that was would have cost me thousands of dollars. Um, and that's what I stopped. Is I think I messed up somewhere, so I'm just going to have a pro do it and. Thank God. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, you know, yours are obviously much more complicated than mine are. So uh, that's certainly understandable. You know, it's like we said at the top of the podcast, we got another standalone. 
you know, it was good. It was a good, I mean, certainly Monster of the Week would be applicable to this episode. I don't uh, know if good would be applicable. But... Okay. Um, it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the one thing, I don't know if you knew this or not, Kirk Acevedo, who plays Charlie, is married to Kirsten Warren, who plays his wife in this episode and uh that's convenient yeah works out well yeah so she's also an actress obviously and and, you know they've been married i think i read since 2005 so oh good for them yep still seem to be going strong um now i know this had to really excite you uh you know the scene where the animal activists are fleeing the facility Mm -hmm. And as they're running out of the building, did you notice what the girl said? We have to go back. Come on, dude. Like from from Dollhouse? No. 12 Monkeys? No. That show which shall not be named. Uh, uh, Oh, come on. (laughs) Jack, we have Uh, to go back. Snuck that one in on me. I definitely did. Um, now, well done yeah. well played dave <laughs> now once again we've got someone using walter's prior work to achieve something unnatural although even that's kind of not actually true they they were working on something uh almost simultaneously although even i think walter admits towards the end of the pod uh toward the end of the episode that um <laughs> he was influenced by that guy i forget his name you probably have in your right. notes somewhere no i do not but I, I I loved Walter's use of the phrase accelerated Darwinism. And, you know, we, we covered Brave New World, uh, you know, I guess a year or so back. And, and certainly, you know, you could talk about Darwinism and, and the fact that, you know, the society in Brave New World is playing around with with that and. You know, in this case, I mean, ordinarily we think about Darwin's survival of the fittest, right? And, and those are the species Natural that, selection, yeah. that um, continue to thrive and survive. And, and you know, Brave New World, obviously, they just, you know, genetically engineered everything to, you know, do a specific to job. To and, keep, right, right. To make yeah. everything stable. Yeah. So whether that's what they're doing here or it's just uh, they're playing God. So, I mean, I just want to interject now with the first. Oops, uh, I just want to interject now with the the first of what will probably be many gripes about this show. So you have this super dangerous transgenic animal. Are you going to lock it up, maybe, or just can like the boss's kid just kind of show up and freaking open up the closet where the super dangerous transgenic beast is? Like, come on, man, as as uh, Shannon Sharp would say. Yeah, you would certainly think the security measures would be infinitely more secure than they are here. You know, like you said, the fact that he was just able to, you know, go back into the danger zone so easily. Yeah. But, but it also yeah, makes... it's just like the, there's the, the door. It's a door there. He just opens the door and then I guess there's probably another door They just opens up and... The super dangerous beast is free. And BT dubs, before you unleash this beast for animal freedom, maybe take a look at it to see if it looks like it's going to slaughter you if you let it out of its cage. That's just another thought. Obviously, at the heart of this episode, animal rights is playing a significant role. But I guess what I did like here is that on the one hand, we see these animal rights activists go in to this facility and number one they free all the animals now on the one hand you know i get their point animals shouldn't be caged but they're in boston how do they think these animals are going to (laughs) survive in the wild so in a sense what they're doing is almost as cruel as what the researchers are doing so i don't know that they ever really think of that i mean i get breaking in spray painting the walls and all that but to release the animals eh, that that i mean that just speaks to the you know lack of a you know cog cognizant 
thought process on the, you know, right. for these MIT well, kids. And something like we mentioned, well, I mentioned before, you know, I mean, the most obvious, you know, shout out here. I mean, this scene, it's almost like we're watching the beginning of 12 Monkeys, both the movie and the TV show. Actually, 28 Days Later as well. But again, kind of 12 Monkeys is kind of like, you know, one of the main, when you think about the, you know, uh, kids breaking into a lab and releasing something dangerous. Dollhouse, we saw it as well. I don't think J.J. Uh, Abrams was particularly influenced by Dollhouse, but uh, it, you know, it is kind of a nice thinking back to that that episode of Dollhouse because that was a pretty cool episode too. But you know, invariably on TV shows, the college kids who are animal rights activists who are just spouting you know slogans and spray painting stuff and being generally not too bright about what they're doing. That's kind of like you know, a little trope, right? Because uh, you're absolutely right. Like, they're certainly not improving these animals' lives one bit. And, of course, the scientists, if they weren't busy chasing around their super dangerous creature that they kept under wraps and didn't alert the public to, you know, they're they're just going to get more mice or whatever they're testing on. So it's it's not like these kids are stopping anything. So right. you're right. It's uh, it's it is seems. I, I don't know if this is like kind of like even realistic. At all. I'm sure there are college kids that do this out of a sense of you know justice and everything. But really, it's you know yeah they're not accomplishing very much. And so I'm not sure how realistic of a scene this trope of a scene that we see often is. Right now, the other thing that strikes me in this episode is when Olivia goes to interview Doctor Swift. Gotta love the fact that his kid's named Jonathan, but Jonathan, and he tells Olivia that well, it's better to have an animal experience the effects of perfume so that you don't have to. And you want you just want to smack him. I mean, you know, I don't promote violence, but sometimes, a, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, again, it's just another level of cruelty and a lack of of humanity and and i I just that bothered me more than the kids releasing the animals because on the one hand they're just a bunch of dumb college students even though they're apparently attending mit but you know this is an adult mit probably has its knuckleheads too i'm sure it does yes (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure it does so so that certainly bothered me but the other thing that does come out of but, this uh, I, I just want because yeah. I, for my diatribe before might have seemed like i am in favor of animal testing and you know honestly for some things like disease and things like that things that we can save people's lives i'm kind of okay with that i guess but for testing for perfume and stuff like that i'm not i'm not so sure i'm down with that you yeah, know no. you're right it is kind of it's difficult to hear this guy you know try to take the kind of moral high ground for perfume yeah, 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 no question. Um, just make the shampoo. I'll take my best shot, and you know, if I have to wipe my eye out, then whatever. But one of the other things that does come out of this episode is Walter seems to finally understand the consequences of his work, and he and he takes it pretty hard, even though toward the end of the episode he says, "I don't know that I can do anything about it." That um yes i've learned something but no i haven't so i I find that fascinating which i i guess should kind of lead us into you know one of the the sub storylines has to do with walter and peter who at this point are clearly getting on each other's nerves they clearly need a bigger place to live which walter mentioned i don't know if it was last episode or the one before but uh, you know, we see a lot of back and forth between these two in this episode, for sure. Yeah, definitely. All the characteristics of two people who are just really fed up with having to spend as much time together as they they do. Yeah, I mean, Peter comes to the lab and he he sees the plate of toast and he sees what I mean clearly looks like an omelet, and I guess technically it is an omelet. And of course, Walter's horrified. And, and, and granted, we know there are bigger issues at play here than uh, Walter's reluctance to share his food as, as Peter chastises him. And I, I loved 
Walter's response, this is a lab. You're the one who should be careful, Walter tells him, and and he's right. He's got a point. Yeah, he's got a point there for sure. So, I mean, if well, he I just don't go eating someone else's omelet. You well, know? there like, is go, that. Go, yeah. go make your own, Peter. It only takes a couple minutes. Yeah. Now, don't um, be such a mooch. Right. And then Broyles and the team meet at the crash site for the, you know, the station wagon that had the three surviving kids from the lab and, and well, you know, briefly surviving. Yeah. Briefly surviving. And Walter finds an uneaten, I don't know, sandwich. I'm not sure what it was exactly. Yeah. And Peter watches him eat it. I just thought don't eat the evidence went without saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, just the, the banter between these two, because again, there, there's a lot going on between them and in a sense it, it we, we do get a nice resolution but it's not going to solve whatever problems that these two are facing and, and really most of it is on peter's end who's especially snarky in this episode as as i forget as walter's trying to piece together what exactly happened and it's like peter yeah a group of animals got together to exact revenge on mankind yeah got it but we get to the end of the episode after Walter locks himself behind the gate down in the sewer, and he really is the one that saves the day. And whether he feels some sort of responsibility for this experiment, even though he really shouldn't, you know, I, I think he understands that while this isn't mine, it easily could be. And I'm going to clean up the mess that a fellow scientist created. But then after it's all said and done, Peter tells Walter how brave he was today. And that's not the first time Peter's told him that when he went back into St. Clair's that time. And, and, and Peter really let him know. To be fair, though, at that point, they weren't having the problems that they're having now. Right. So while maybe there's a, a temporary truce because of what Walter did down in the sewer, uh, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to, you know, watch that and see what happens, see if they get a bigger apartment. It was we've said, come on, the FBI can't, you know, spring for a, a two bedroom apartment in Boston. Come on. Yeah. Well, that, that, that is some expensive real estate there. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, well, I mean, yeah, apartments didn't, you know, it's the center, center city, Boston, you know, downtown Boston, super, super expensive. But, well, I guess we also have not really seen evidence of Fringe being a particularly well-financed operation either. So, you know, yeah, I they guess. might be trying to do this one on the cheap. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Olivia can afford a two-bedroom apartment on her salary. So, I don't know. Come on. Um, the other thing we see in this, and we don't see it a lot, but you know, the whole, the whole, you know, triangle of Peter, Olivia and Rachel, uh, right. gets a little play in this episode and that opening mm -hmm. scene where Olivia's reading to Ella when Peter calls and, and it was kind of funny. She immediately thinks something's wrong and he's like, well, why would you think something's wrong? And I'm like, of course she thinks something wrong. Yeah, because every other time you've called, it's because something was wrong. Right, but... That's uh, why she thinks something's wrong. Yeah, uh, but no, I'm um, calling for Rachel. She there? And just the expressions on Olivia's face at that point are, are just really telling. She gives the phone to Rachel, and they're clearly flirting over the phone, and then it cuts to that great scene. I think one of the, one of the editing gems of this episode... Monsters aren't real, right, Aunt Liv? And then it cuts right to the scene in the lab, and the monkeys right. are screaming and, and whatever else is going on with the noisy animal testing facility. So that was great. And then when they're at the lab, just kind of trying to figure out what's going on, and Livia confronts Peter about his phone call. So you two are friends now. And, and his response was awesome. Oh. Yeah. Like, does that bother you? Like, yeah. almost like... Hey, my intention is for it to, buy, yeah, like, like, I, I don't think he's, you know, flirting with Rachel just to try and make Liv jealous, Olivia jealous, but that's also not necessarily something he didn't consider, you know, with with this whole thing. So, 
Well, you wonder, I, I, I know what you're saying. And, and I agree on one level, we've learned a fair amount about Peter Bishop before fringe and you get the idea that he was probably not above having several women on you know on call and you know maybe multiple girlfriends in different cities or whatever so you know i I don't want to necessarily discount that possibility on the other hand we have seen you know a pretty ethically morally centered guy you know since he's joined the fringe team so while like you said he's certainly considered that you know olivia might look at him flirting with her sister you know with a small amount of jealousy or whatever on the other hand, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But, um, you know, he yeah, might. Yeah, because it could literally be like this is the – when Olivia mentions it, like this is the first time. It's like, oh, that seems like it's bothering her. You know, and he smiles a little bit thinking, oh, well, that's – I'm actually kind of into the idea that she's a little bothered by my talking to her sister. But on the other hand, we have seen a number of times when they've been, you know, had moments – that they've had shipping moments for us that we've picked up on. So someone's perceptive of Peter is certainly understanding that um, there is some maybe low-key kind of stuff going on between him and Olivia. So, you know, he must have been aware of. So, well, I don't think that, like, I would just say, like, as you said, like, that Peter is basically, as we've seen, a decent guy. And so I wouldn't think, I think it would be out of character for him to be talking and hanging out with Rachel just to make Liv jealous. So I don't think he's like using Rachel to get to to Olivia. But on the other hand, he's probably not 100% disappointed that Olivia is is jealous of this relationship as well. Yeah, and I mean, it's certainly possible that he looks at it like, you know, I'm attracted to Olivia. Um, we get along great, but her sister's co- hot too. Well, so right, and we are work. I colleagues. don't work with her. Right, yeah. right, and and while certainly Liv had a relationship with somebody she worked with, I think she and and John both understood it probably would have been frowned upon had the bureau found out about it. And you understand that because if you're put in a dangerous situation, they don't want you know, one partner making a decision based on his or her heart rather than his or her head. So, you know, there's a possibility that, that Peter has just put aside any notion of a relationship with Olivia. And then along comes Rachel. I don't, when I say next best thing, I I, I know that sounds terrible because it, it, it seems to be me, uh, belittle Rachel. And I don't mean it that way but i mean she's got a great personality as you said she's hot um and you know there's nothing to not like about rachel so you know we'll see how that goes um you know i think it's a nice little side story that uh hopefully we get you know a few bits and pieces here and there but you had to love when olivia goes to the uh the house to interview um (laughs) You know, <laughs> why are you laughing? Well, you know where I'm going, right? Yeah, well, the the kid, uh, you know, even the, like I said, even MIT has the you know slovenly um, you know students, and you know it's so funny that when I think back to how I lived when I was a student, I think, oh well, you know that apartment was really clean and nice and you know well taken care of, and, and my wife is like, "Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Place was a dump." And then I go to like pick up my son. I can, I, I really don't even want to go up to his apartment because it's just like I'm just like, oh my god, the hallway is disgusting. There's dirt and grime everywhere how do these kids live like this and you know my wife was like this is exactly what your place looked like when you were in college i'm like come on so um so yeah so i guess mit has the uh the, the those kids a, a, as well and you know forget to put their bong away and things like that yeah now that that's come on 
I mean, who, who forgets to do that? Come on. But he, <laughs> as soon as she knocks on the door and, and that kid, uh, you know, after she flashes her FBI credentials, he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Come on in. Yeah. He's like <laughs> thinking it's like the beginning of some kind of porno or something, right. you know, like you just and, see it in his eyes. But, and then, <laughs> you know, as soon as she gets in there and, and you see her just like really subtly turn her eyes toward the bong enough so that the kid oh no it's not mine (laughs) (laughs) just puts it down on the you know the sink or wherever uh so that that was pretty funny but you know she gets some information about the the fact that animal rights activists are you know at the heart of this um mentioned the monster and right away walter just from examining the dead bodies figures it's got the claws of a lion the fangs of a snake and and you know we're starting to get a sense of what this monster might be like because for the bulk of the episode all we see is its long segmented lizard-like tail which is pretty frightening in it's and pretty of frightening. itself and in my mind which is i you know i probably is the same thing for almost every single person who watches the show. The monster is way scarier in my head than it was actually seeing it. You know, not that I'm saying that they weren't going to show it because you obviously had to show it, but the the picture I had in my head was just way, way, way scarier. Yeah, and you know, once Walter explains that we're dealing with a transgenic species, as you said, an organism made up of the genes of multiple species i.e. a man-made creature obviously the scientist's hubris is you know a a storyline that we've seen many many times before and while i don't think they handled it all that brilliantly in this episode it i i think it i think we're meant more to look at walter and the way walter reacts to the events of this episode as it applies to himself. And then interestingly at the end, he says, but I don't think I can do anything about it. I'm just going to go on and do what I do without worrying about the consequences. And okay, (laughs) I guess that's Walter Bishop at this point in life. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Charlie. Now I, I, I guess on the one hand, the highlight for me is Charlie in this episode and how he handles what has happened to him, you know, with such grace and bravery. So you're telling me I'm pregnant and Walter's like, yes, (laughs) yep. (laughs) And again, he, at that one point where he realizes what the plan is going to be. And he's like, no, don't do it. Just, essentially he doesn't say the words but he's saying i'd rather you let me die than put yourself in jeopardy and when you couple that with what walter does down in the sewer you know i I think it's these small things in the episode that for me keep it out of the c plus range and and you know at least creep into the fact that there's going to be a b somewhere I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know whether there's going to be a minus attached or not. But uh-huh. but but there are enough of these ideas in this episode that that I think you know I, I think save the episode. I guess is the best way to word it. Yeah, no, it's, I'm not saying it's it's irredeemable. I'm just to to me, there's just so many things about it that were just like again things that draw you out of the experience, like things that. Maybe say, ah, come on, that's you know. Like I, I, again, I, I know I keep going back to the the fact that the super dangerous creature was not even locked up, or or if it was locked up, that you know the 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 guy's kid is able to access it. I mean, well, that's I, just that's I mean, just crazy. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying I couldn't get past that because there are a lot of other stuff. The kid in the in the at the playground. With the creature in, in the tunnel and the kids in the tunnel and, oh, no, is the kid going to get hurt? But the, no, the mom pulls him out of the playground just at the right moment. But for some reason, the creature doesn't attack either of them. Yeah. <sighs> no, I, no I, I agree. Well, the, you know, the monster realized he was a kid and had his whole life in front of him. So, 
decide to let okay. him go. But, uh, y- you know, it wouldn't have been the worst decision to focus a lot on the Walter Peter relationship and the Peter Olivia slash racial relationship, because those are all important. No, they don't push the pattern story arc forward. Okay, fine. But these are all human beings that we've invested a lot of time and emotions into. And I think given the, the actual you know, monster storyline that they did give us, uh, you know, the, the 50 minutes could have been better served. But again, I don't, I don't want to hammer, like you said, I don't want to hammer too hard on this one. Yeah, just because I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of good stuff in, yeah. in there as well. Uh, notably, what she said, the exploration of the relationships, uh, for the most part, that might be. Well, you know, <laughs> and, and again, even, well, I, I like Charlie. Like you, I know you're not the biggest fan of Kurt, but Kurt I was here. I was but, here. But yeah, this one, this is a good Charlie episode, which I, I like uh, that they you get to see a little bit more of him, and we could stand to see a little bit more of his wife. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, you know, I, I might be able to be convinced to give it a B minus. Maybe we'll, we'll we'll look. I'm not I'm not making any promises just yet. Okay, um, I, I I thought it was brilliant of Walter down in the sewer because it was so classic Walter. I don't know if he says I have to tinkle or <laughs> whatever. Um, can you point me to the facilities? It's like Walter, you're in the sewer. Look yeah. around you. The, you know, the facilities are everywhere. So you're knee deep in the facilities. Right. But then we see what Walter was actually doing. It, it, it's just, you know, don't raise any suspicions. The next thing you know, he's locked himself behind the gate and he's going to go do what he's going to do. And Walter, I don't want to say this was the first time he ever fired uh, a gun or, or, or any kind of a firearm because, uh, you know, who knows what he's done in his life. But. He's certainly not used to doing it and to have to do it under those conditions and, you know, fire off an accurate shot. And he certainly knows star Wars stormtrooper. We know that for sure. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, again, probably, you know, maybe it would have been nice for him to let Olivia have the gun, let her do the shooting. Even if he wants to be the bait, um, I don't know, hinging this plan on, on Walter making a killing shot on the creature is probably not the strongest plan they, they had available to them. Now, the the one line that I could have placed it earlier in the Peter, Olivia, Rachel segment of the discussion, they're, they're down in the sewer and Peter looks over towards her and says, don't say I never take you anywhere. Right. And she kind of gives him this look that, Okay, you know, because this is on the heels of her witnessing the phone call he has with her sister. So, again, what's going to come out of this? Rachel had talked earlier about, not in this episode, a previous episode, about getting her own place. And, you know, whether or not that's actually going to happen, we don't know. So, you know, this was what, episode 16? So we've got four to go in this season. And,. I, you know, again, I I hope they get back to the overall arc. I mean, certainly we have to assume that's what they're going to do in episode 20, but and probably 19 as well. So, so we'll see what we've got in the next two episodes, but but four to go. The final thing that I wanted to bring up, and, and I don't have an answer for it, is everything said and done. I think it might even be the final scene of the episode. Olivia's home. She gets in bed turns out the lights and then she turns the lights back on yeah but it's not like she gets up to go read or anything so what's right. the deal well, no, she goes to she goes to sleep right but with the lights on yeah why because she's scared like a little kid okay scared of the monsters like just yeah right exactly just ties back to the beginning of the episode when Ella asked her if there were monsters and she said no. And then, you know, of course she sees a real monster, not for the first time in this series, BT, by the way. So, yeah, I think it's just kind of hearkening back to her as like a little kid, like, you know, sleeping with the lights on as, as a way, or like having a nightlight as some sense of, of comfort though. Of course, you know, the, 
If the transgenic species coming to get you, I don't think having the lights on is going to stop it there, Olivia. Right. But as you said a minute ago, I mean, this is not the first monster she's encountered since working on the, the Fringe Project. So what is it about this one that hits her so hard? I mean, it, it, does it harken back to reading with Ella and Ella's question that, you know, about monsters being real? I guess it could be, but it just seems yeah. like it's got to be more than that. I don't have an answer, but it's, it's almost got to be more than just that. So I, I don't think it's anything that, that they're going to explore anymore. I think they were just kind of tying back to this theme of monsters in the world and you know olivia showing that you know she is even olivia gets a little scared of monsters every once in a while okay all right anything you want to bring up that we haven't talked about well a couple good lines where walt says get a bucket astrid says i'm gonna be sick he goes two buckets (laughs) yeah good point that was a good one (laughs) that was a great one um at least the creature doesn't mate in the traditional way it's classic (laughs) walter line i'm sure Charlie is very uh, excited about that as well. Peter looking at the the, the larvae and saying they're getting bigger. Well, no shit, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, yes, that's what growing things do, Peter. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that might be. Oh, yeah, when, you know, when Charlie says, now what? And Walter's like, now you crap them out. (laughs) Yeah. That was one line I definitely remembered from seeing this episode originally, and I was just waiting for it. So. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. All right, so, well. yeah. Okay. All right, well, let's hear what Fred's got for us in feedback this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Vane, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe Season 1, Episode 16. Okay, coming back to last week's podcast, it was a little confusing for me because Dave said something like, who put him there if that place is already sealed for 70 years? And I don't really understood if you meant who put him there, although it was sealed, or did you really mean 70 years ago? And then later on, you indeed, with Wayne, uh, went on, he has been put there before it was sealed, so... The kit is not a kit, but a more than 70-year-old observer. And that was actually the other confusing thing, because is it another observer? Or is this some time travel where this young git is the observer that we see later? And actually at the end scene, they are looking at each other and actually are looking at themselves. What am I watching? Star Trek Picard. Last episode of the third season of Snowpiercer. Was a very nice season again. Batwoman, Sanctuary. And on Dave's advice, Dark Desire. Or actually in Spanish, the original title. Oscuro Deseo. Well, it was not every five minutes nudity, but (coughs) I just watched the first episode What is there every five minutes is people smoking. Really awkward for a 2020 started series. Not feeling completely well today. A little bit shivering. A little bit not 100% okay. Got my fourth COVID vaccination yesterday. Okay, going into episode 16. Aunt Liv? Monsters aren't real, right? No, sweetheart. They are not. But you better leave the lights on, to be completely sure. This was a nice connection between the beginning and the end of the episode. Actually, this is exactly as much untrue as Olivia talking to Peter about Rachel. So, you are friends now. Does that bother you? No. It was a little conspicuous, by the way, why Peter called Olivia to talk to Rachel. Doesn't have Peter Rachel's number, especially if he wants to ask something like that. Didn't they connect earlier about these kind of silly stuff, like song texts or song titles or whatever? I gave the episode a 7 on IMDb, and actually that's the lowest rate I've given for all 16 episodes so far. 
Perhaps that expresses a little bit my disappointment that this was not a David Robert Jones episode again. Monster of the Week episode, <laughs> literally in this case. I found a quarrel between Peter and Walter a little bit too much, actually. Should be funny or something like that. Um, eh, not really. The, the development of the... Creatures Laughs was very quick again, as always, in Fringe. And they disappeared as quickly as well in Charlie. This came and went in such a pace that his wife didn't even notice it. Okay, that was all for this time. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Now, the one thing that really strikes me about Fred's feedback is that idea of time travel relative to the observers i i i don't know that we necessarily have any time travel evidence but just the fact that he brings it up and that is this a situation where the adult observer is looking at his younger self as it drives by in the car and given everything we've seen i guess i'm not going to discount that so yeah that that was uh Certainly something that strikes me from Fred's feedback. Uh, again, Fred, I hope you're feeling better. He mentioned being sick, and he yeah. I think he said he got his fourth uh, or second booster or fourth whatever they call it. I'm scheduled to get my second booster uh, in a couple weeks. But uh, Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, anything. Well, what else about Fred's feedback? Um, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pass on this one, Fred, because you weren't feeling well. But, you know, like, if uh, if we're going to have a, a geneticist on staff, then when you get a chance to talk genetics, we need you to, to pony up a little bit here, brother. Yeah. So. Because I was asking Wayne whether, you know, this, what they're talking about in this episode is actually a thing or is it just uh, sci-fi, I guess, you know, for the sake of the show, but. Wayne assures me it is a thing. So, but you know, like yeah. you said, not not like not like they they have here. You know, I don't think. I mean, there might be people out there, you know, having snake, eagle, lion, yeah, uh, hybrids out there. But mostly, I think they're doing it for like uh, um, disease research and things like that. So. Yeah. So we're not really going into, I guess, what was it called, vivisection? So, right. But. Uh, Anyway, uh, Fred's watching Dark Desire, which is uh, good, although, as he points out, maybe not every five minutes there's nudity, but pretty damn close. But Fred mentions about the smoking, and, and, you know, that is true. And it is something that strikes me about some of the shows that my wife and I watch, which, for the most part, are are these police procedural detective shows, crime dramas, whatever you want to call them. And and there's a lot more smoking in them than you would think given our understanding of cigarettes. So I don't know. I mean, did one of the tobacco companies pay them? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't put it past well, them. So it's been probably it's been over 20 years since I've been to Europe. But when I was there, I just remember like someone saying, are you an American? I'm like, yeah. How do you know? Like, because you're not smoking. Ah. Um, so there was, you know, like in, you know, France and England and Ireland, places that I went, uh, there was tons of people smoking and everything. So that it was unusual. Yeah. So, so. Um, could be a European thing. Yep. All right. Anything else about Fred's feedback you want to bring up? Okay. No, I think I'm good. Okay. Fred, thank you as always. Uh, I'm going to go B minus barely. I, I don't think it's a C plus. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm going to give the C plus on it. So. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I don't know. There was just there were some redeeming qualities about it, so I'm not saying it's not. And of course, a bad fringe episode is going to be better than ninety percent of any other show um, that's out there. But uh, this particular one, I wasn't a big fan of. Yeah, and, and that's certainly something we've mentioned from time to time. It doesn't happen often with the shows that that we podcast about, which I guess. You hope is to be expected. Otherwise, why the heck are we doing that particular show? But it does occasionally happen. So, uh, all right. So we'll go C plus, B minus. That seems fair. 
So let's head on over to the spoiler zone. And as we say each week, if you haven't seen the entire series, stop listening to the podcast now and come back next week. So as I said to you before we started recording, I didn't really have anything, but you you did notice something. Uh, I thought I did, but I didn't take a note on it that I can find. Okay. Well, you, um, it was something about just, Peter and, and um, yeah, I, I, I don't remember what it oh, was. Oh, oh I, I actually did take the note. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Walter says how Peter had night terrors when he was a child. Oh, I thought he said the dog had night terrors. Mm, maybe uh, okay I thought, um, I thought he was talking about peter i might have got that one wrong well but the, still it's this is reference to peter's childhood right well the thing way, that i noticed know. i see i thought it was rufus the dog that had the night terrors well if you remember the dog's name then you must be right okay but 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 the thing wrong. is though that it didn't occur to me until just now peter doesn't really react that to that he doesn't say, right. Walter, you're wrong, or, oh, yeah, I remember that. So maybe he doesn't react because he doesn't remember any of that, and uh, it's because, you know. Now, now he did know that Rufus was their dog, so I guess the, that maybe negates my thought there. So anyway. <laughs> well, uh, I just think that, you know, any time that Walter mentions something about peter's childhood either peter remembers it differently or doesn't remember at all which again is you're thinking about it, it's probably not unusual at all because he was just a kid right sure so i don't know i just whenever walter talks about something for peter's youth that's that's i think hey that's something for the spoiler zone yeah but other than that i don't think there was really because they don't really push the you know the the overall mythology here the you know the overall story arc yeah not um, it's just a straight up literal monster of the week episode so yeah. all right well let's leave it there and hopefully we get something a little more to our liking next week but that'll do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch thank you for joining us we'd love to hear what you think about fringe anything going on in your sci-fi tv world Check us out at the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 17 of Fringe. But until then... So now that we're done recording this episode, Dave, can I get you something? Orange juice? Candy? <laughs>